We feel God is doing a lot of that work here, and we want to share that beyond these walls. So we're inviting in folks uh, literally from all over to have this short half-day conference on the 14th of November. Um, but we, we're, we're putting this out to you because, honestly, I mean, I hope people come in from other places, but this is for us here as well to train us. So um, uh, register. It's, I mean, it's like $10 pre-registration uh, early bird fee. You're, you're making money because you get lunch, you get breakfast, you get all these different things. So sign up for that so we can uh, get ready on the 14th. So Ethnos is coming. Uh, today's a special day because we get to um, be reminded why we do. And can I actually ask, we got some folks that were standing. If you can squeeze in a little. We actually have plenty of room, I think, still if uh, we got some different seats. We got, um, <laughs> we've lovingly called this the seats of shame in case like, nah, but it's, it's actually, these are, the, these are the prime seats. If you would go to Camden Yards, you're paying like mega dollars to sit there. Um, but there's a lot of seats still available, so please squeeze in so everyone can grab a seat. Um, today's a special day because as, as we celebrate our anniversary, we, we want to be reminded why do we do what we do as a church. And a big thing is that is uh, areas that is life transformation, and baptism is probably one of the best ways we can do that. So I'm going to share in a little bit. Before that, we wanted to give folks who are getting baptized a chance to share a little bit of their journey with you, a little bit of uh, how Jesus has worked in their life. Uh, these are the highlights. I, I love this part. So I'm going to invite um, just one at a time, Maria Culp, why don't you come up first here and share? And as they come up, encourage them, because it's not easy to get up in front of people. Thank you, Pastor <laughs> um, Hi. I didn't write anything down, uh, <laughs> and I kind of wish I would have now that I'm looking around the room. Um, first, I just want to thank my dad's here, some of my colleagues are here, some of my friends are here um, that have never been to the church, and uh, my dissertation director and one of my best friends, Jen, is sitting right here. Um, and I'm just, I'm floored. I'm just floored uh, at the support I feel. And I look around this room and um, I see family. Uh, a lot of you I've sat around kitchen tables with and um, yeah, I just spent lots of time in your home and uh, I'm grateful for it. And uh, when Pastor Dan uh, suggested I get baptized uh, when I become became a partner in the church, I wasn't really sure how to take that at first because I was baptized as an infant when I was uh, born, uh, raised in a Catholic family, and um, I didn't want to do anything that I thought was disrespectful to that tradition, and I no longer think that, that it is. Um, but I, Pastor Dan asked me to share a little bit. Some of you have already heard some of my testimony from, gosh, I guess this was in January, um, but just the way uh, Christ has sort of worked his way into my life. Because for those of you that have known me for a long time, um, or those of you that know any of my past, I really wasn't a Christian until a couple of years ago. Um, I grew up uh, in a Catholic home, but I was never really sure what I believed. Um, and the, yeah, for some of you, this is the first time you're hearing this, so it's awkward. But the, um, <laughs> there's, there, I grew up with a really sick mom, um, a really sick mom. She's uh, bipolar, borderline, and schizophrenic. Um, and as a child, she would blame her suicide attempts on me. And, um, she did this from the time I was about seven till I was about 20. And it was nothing I ever told anybody really until I got to college. And I was just a mess. I was a mess. And I don't know that I believed in good, let alone God. And I didn't see, there were a lot of years of my life. I didn't see any worth in myself. Um, and I, I really struggled with that. And then I met these folks, um, in college who, though they weren't Christian, I now recognize Christ's love in them. I recognize the ways in which when I was totally, I felt totally unlovable. Um, they were there anyway. When I felt like I had nothing to give, they gave anyway. And then, um, you know, slowly but surely I, I recognized that not only is good possible, that, that God was possible and, um, more and more people poured into my life. And, 
um, I felt more and more love. And it's, it's crazy to me now to think about myself 10 years ago. Cause what I feel when I look out here is love and I feel totally supported and I feel totally safe. And, um, the idea that I could be that I could feel this way, that I could be just this, this free and this joyful, um, it would be impossible without Christ. I, I had a mother who wanted to die because of me and I had a, I had a savior who died for me. And, um, yeah, and even my friends here who aren't Christian have poured Christ's love into my life. Um, and I just, I, my friends and my family are a testimony to sort of the very real grace um, that infuses this world. Um, and just a very real testimony to putting up with somebody who isn't always great, but loving me anyway. Um, so I just, I'm so, I'm so blessed to be able to be baptized today and uh, to do it in a church that has become my home, um, and to do it with, uh, friends who have become my family and, uh, with some of my, my actual family here. So I just, I thank you. Um, I thank you all and I love you guys. Amen. Amen. Stephanie, where, where's Stephanie? Come on up. Let's encourage was like raised by um christian parents i think like my (laughs) moral compass was very messed up at a really young age not their fault you know it's just like how people are but I, i would do anything to get what i wanted and um just kind of like lie my way out of consequences if i could um and I think I'm not here to say that I'm all better now and I'm like this amazing person because I think that kind of early onset, like twisted internal compass kind of will take a lifetime of God changing. Um, But I think that the biggest change that has come from knowing Christ is um, kind of understanding that I don't just get to be with, like, my dad, my creator again, but that I get, I have a chance to live how he, I guess, meant for us to live um, since the beginning. And I think because I was so self-absorbed when I was a kid, or I'm still a kid, um, when I was was younger, it took a lot for God to kind of call my attention outside of myself. Um, but as as he did that, I started to um, kind of understand that what he did was to live that life for me and then die this really terrible, gruesome death in my place because that's... Um, just what we deserve, right? Um, and when I thought about that, I think I realized that at the core of who he is is loving all of the people that he created and molded to bear and reflect his image. And that's what we're supposed to do is to reflect his image. Um, 
and you know loving if if what he did was kind of like a a way to restore that so that we could live that life i realized that that is not just about like being with my dad again it's also like learning to become like him and if his death like what his death showed me what is was that it that becoming like him means loving the people around me too because those are the pe- also people that he created in his image and people that he died for and this sounds really simple but um i learned um that it's actually not <laughs> um because there's sort of been different seasons where jesus has taught me like a little bit more of what that's supposed to look like um at first it was just to not to stop doing things like for myself at the expense of other people and then gradually it became to not just not hurt people but to also like care for them and live life with <laughs> sorry <laughs> um and i think um more recently and this touches on kind of what pastor dan like emphasizes all the time is learning to love people who are not like you um and i think coming to the village taught me a lot about that because in college i kind of thought like after i was saved like oh loving people is really easy and like everybody's nice and everybody's exactly like me <laughs> um we're all like college students we're all probably pre-med because i went to hopkins and um <laughs> like half my friends were also asian too which was like it's like we're all like the same um and i come here and there's so many wonderful people from like completely different walks of life um and i got really anxious um i got really anxious because I didn't for the first time I realized I was in like a social context where where people experience things that I don't and I can't relate to them and I thought that that meant that I couldn't love them either um but I think it's actually been a year since I've been at the village like I started coming around the anniversary of last year and I feel like through this year God's taught me a lot about what it means is to walk and love with people who will experience things that I'll never experience and with people who like like will might not experience the same things that I do um just because our life trajectories are so different um but that we're all doing it with the same um purpose to to be with our father to to love him but also to be like him and part of that means learning to like love each other even if we're all really 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 different so yeah thanks thank you that's that's real right there um everyone talks about diversity and and you know it, it seems nice and I, i mean it is it's good it's i think it's kingdom but it's hard it's hard so i really appreciate stephanie sharing that that's that's real uh jay where are you jay there you go 
This is Jay Let's encourage him as he comes up. Good morning, Village. Um, I've, I've come from a church background. My grandmother was a Sunday school teacher. And, uh, you know, I, I, I went to the church when I was young and, and, and read the word and, and knew the word. And uh, I, I stopped going to church um, because I, I guess I, a lot of friends weren't going to church. So I decided that, you know, I'd rather play. I'd rather go run the streets. And the streets were glorified for me. And I, I made a, long, a, a lot of bad choices. And um, I found myself um, still a believer, but um, addicted to heroin, um, hard drugs, um, just manipulating people. I was a liar. Um, I stole from my family, did horrific things. Um, and I, I, I knew I, I, was, I was struggling. And I prayed and prayed. And if you want to call it a vision, you can call it a dream. But I had this dream. And if you can imagine, it was, it was a beautiful, calming light. And, and it felt peaceful. And I heard a voice. If you, if you think of how God would speak, I would think he spoke like thunder. It radiated through my body when he spoke to me. He said, son, I do not know thee. And everything went black. And I felt like my soul was being drugged to the eternal pit of despair. Now, that's forever being away from God. And I did not want that. So I continued to pray. And a few weeks afterwards, I wound up getting sick and admitted to a hospital, which was the only hospital in Maryland, which would start administering treatment for addiction. And I found out, and you know, he answered my prayers. And I knew I was on the wrong path, and I had to get back on the right path and do the right thing. And um, so I, I'm going to just, I, I'm, I'm, in the flesh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to slip. I'm going to mess up. And we, we all fall short of the glory of God. And, and that's why Christ went to the cross to bear the weight of the sins of the world when he went there and died for us. And it's an awesome gift. And I am thankful to receive this gift. And that's, that's how I'm going to sum it up. Amen. And I'm going to ask uh, oh, David Mills, why don't you come up and share some of your story, bro? Hello. Um, so I guess my story really starts in high school. I became a Christian after my freshman year of high school. Um, and I just kind of, I don't know, went through the motions for a while. But it wasn't until my senior year when I think I really started to know Christ. Um, yeah, I came to a moment about halfway through my senior year where I was just lonely and depressed and hopeless. So then, and like in the midst of that hope, I just decided like I didn't really want to be here anymore and I didn't want to live anymore. 
So I made a half-hearted attempt at suicide, and I came to it the next morning, and thankfully, I mean, it didn't work. But in that next day, um, I read the story of the woman at the well where Jesus encounters this woman who has been with a lot of different men and has done a lot of sinful things in her life. And he knows everything about her, but he doesn't condemn her. And in that moment, I started to develop a relationship with God, not just being a Christian and doing the right things, and which, like, I was raised in a Christian home, and I was raised going to church, so that was easy to just, like, think that I could be sufficient for or, like, be good enough to earn God's favor. But I came to know that that's really not what it was about. Um, so, yeah, I, I'd say, like, the next three years probably, a lot of my story revolves around suffering and hopelessness. But in that I see Christ, um, I think where a lot more intimacy with Jesus started was uh, during my freshman year of college, so actually it was five years ago this past Wednesday, um, one of my best friends committed suicide, and his name was Jason, and um, he really loved God, but there was just a lot of stuff going on in his life that I think led him to be hopeless. Um, so after he committed suicide, I went into a really deep depression and had a lot of existential crisis, just wondering, like, about death and just all these things. And I'd say I was, like, full of fear. But as I walked with Jesus through the next, like, two and a half or three years, I found an intimacy with Christ, not because he died for my sins, but like that as well, but because he suffered on the cross and he died. So we have a God who came to earth and, like, lived the human experience and also suffered, which I think separates Christianity from any other religion because what God would want to have the human experience that's full of suffering and anguish. Um, but he took our suffering as well to the cross and paid the ultimate price. But not only did he die, he also defeated death. So we don't have to live in fear and we can have hope. And I think, like, especially this is like an important week with I mean, in the U.S. with 9-11 just happening and the need for hope is so great, but if if we just hope in humanity, it fails. But when we hope in Christ, there's intimacy there and we can return to what we were made for, which is the relationship with God. And, um, yeah, so without Christ's suffering, I don't think that I would have that relationship with God. But without his suffering it wouldn't be possible because I can't, I can't pay for my own sin. That's not possible, but only through Christ can I have that relationship. So, yeah, thank you. Thanks, bro. Man, that's tremendous. And I just, um, I love hearing the four different stories there. It's, uh, I mean, you just got your preaching for today, right? They just, uh, they brought it. They, they brought the gospel in each of the, one of their beautiful 
diverse stories of how that one common message of Jesus makes an impact through who we are uniquely. And I, I love hearing these stories of transformation because it reminds me of why we do what we do as a church community here at the village. Just really quickly, I just want to share a couple of verses here from uh, Matthew 28. And for some of you from church, this might be familiar, but Matthew 28, 18 to 20. And this is Jesus' last, uh, one of his last teachings he's giving to his disciples here. He says, and Jesus came and said to them, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. So Christ here, he's given like a locker room speech. I don't know if any of you are ex-jocks or current jocks or athletes, but like before you're going to be sent out there, he's given them this word to kind of, in some sense, pump them up, but to give them content of what they're supposed to be doing. So you see some verbs there, go, baptizing, teaching. But these are all part of a larger process, which is this command to make disciples. Um, and, and this is really important for us to understand why we do what we do, because... Um, Otherwise, you know, what we're doing here get confused. So I think community, like event organizers, uh, that's important. Um, I think social activism, I think I think it can be really important. I think having a place to kind of commune with like-minded people I think is important. But the, the thing is we're never given a command to do those as the church. Ultimately, and we're not even given a command to grow as a church. And, and I know that would scare a lot of people who do these Christian book publishing things because there's a whole market on how do you grow a church. There's nothing in the Bible that talks about, you know, going to grow a church, but it's all about making disciples. Ultimately, the, the message that we've been given from Jesus is where we're supposed to spend our time, our energy, our money, ourselves, our, all of who we are is to make disciples. And disciples might sound like a strange word. It sounds kind of cultish. Um, and some of you, maybe if you're from church, you've heard like 12 disciples. But disciples is just another word for a follower of Jesus. And that's literally what a Christian is, a little Christ. So we are supposed to reflect who Jesus is as our lives follow him and become more like him. In one sense, if, if you follow Jesus, your life has been changed like boom, in an instant, once and for all. We call it justification. Just at that moment, there is something that happens. You are a new creation, but it's also a lifetime of gradual change. Fancy word for that, sanctification. Lifetime, more and more becoming like Jesus. And, and that's why I love these different stories here, Maria and Steph and... David and Jay, I love this idea because it's reminding us this process of becoming a disciple, making disciples growing. Um, it's not something that happened overnight. I love if you listen to the common idea and all of their stories. It didn't. I mean, Jay had kind of probably the closest to it, but it didn't sound like there was like I was living this kind of great. And then, boom, something happened. And overnight I was different. It didn't seem like that was the common thing. It kind of took different life processes throughout that some ups some downs but this idea of growing to live out who we are in christ so we believe when we look in the bible that that you don't have to do a single thing you can't earn it it's jesus's work and in his work dying on the cross like steph so eloquently said he lived the life we were supposed to live but that we couldn't and he died the death that we deserve and, and you, you, you receive that, you accept that, and something changes. You're giving up surrender of your life. You're saying, I'm not in control of my life any longer. I trust someone better than me. I trust Jesus. So that happens, but then living that out, it takes a journey. 
Living that out takes a long time. And it reminds me, even as I think about our church here at the village, what does it mean to make disciples? Um, I, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm Korean. And uh, if you couldn't, uh, if you look, then you, if, if you're Asian, you're like thinking, trying to figure out what Asian. If you're not Asian, you're like, okay, you're just Asian. What's the deal? Well, I'm Korean. So uh, the funny thing is every different Asian people got their own rice. Right. You all got your own different kind of rice and you like territorial about that. You're like, this is what rice is. Koreans, we like the sticky rice. Like we like sticky rice. And the thing is, um, I grew up with that. Um, but the once I hit like college, I had some folks who were not Korean or like, you know, maybe other other ethnicities, other cultures and say, yo, you want some rice? I'm like, okay, I, yeah, I'm down for some rice. And then they would bust something and they busted out this thing called minute rice. Right. I'm like, yeah. They're like, isn't it great? It just takes a minute to cook. I'm like, yo, homes, that ain't rice. <laughs> I mean, it looks like it kind of, but it, it don't taste like it. It definitely doesn't look like it. It's not. You don't call that rice because rice is this thing, at least in my experience, you need to let sit in this pot and like percolate for a long time. Like you just keep cooking. And, and it takes a long time. It's no minute in the microwave and it comes out. It takes a long time waiting on that. If you're hungry, you're just sitting there waiting on this thing to cook. Like, when's it going to be done? I got like Korean barbecue waiting, but I need some rice. And, and it takes a while for it to happen. And, and why I share that silly story is often when we think about becoming more like Jesus, we think of this like boop, 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 American kind of like three-step quick, nine, um, you know, two one week to a better you or one seven weeks to a more perfect follower of Jesus. And we think it's just this quick formula that'll happen overnight as long as we press the right buttons. But what we're reminded is this process of making disciples. It's a journey. And, and, and why that's important, why I'm sharing that here in this context of Jesus's command, if you and I are going to be serious about making disciples, about helping one another and helping people who don't know Jesus to know Jesus, it will most likely not happen overnight. Because things that are often quality take a, take a while for it to percolate and to work. And I love these stories that we're hearing here at God's at work. It rarely happened overnight. I'm sure you talked to these four folks here. You would ask them, hey, when was the moment where you feel like you really got it? They're like, the whole thing. <laughs> like, it's always happening. Some days I feel like I don't even know if I believe in God anymore. Some days I come into a room like this and I think everyone's gotten like the crazy pills. Like, who are they all singing to? They're all looking in one direction, but I... I Sometimes I feel that like God doesn't feel real. And other times it's like when you're praying, you feel like he's right next to you in a room, that kind of thing. Ups and downs. Sometimes you feel like everyone is there walking with you and they're helping you to love God more. And sometimes you feel like everyone's the devil. (laughs) But that's part of the journey. And as a church, we need to keep these things in mind because it requires much grace, requires much patience, it requires much love. Requires a lot of forgiveness because people are going to disappoint you. People are going to let you down. But you know what? That's each of our story because if we look at how good God looks at us, it, it, he doesn't love us because we stop letting him down. He loves us in spite of the fact that we probably let him down a lot. <laughs> I know I do. I, mean, I don't want to speak for all of you. You all maybe look holier than me. I feel like I let God down every day. Constantly. I don't trust him. I don't believe he's in control. I don't believe that the stuff going on in my life, God actually knows that's happening. I have a really hard time believing those at a time. So I think part of that making disciples, it requires this journey together. But uh, I think the other beautiful part of it, specifically for our church here, um, 
one of the reasons why we, I, I think it was represented here well, we talk about this idea of being um, a diverse church. And just, just for you to be aware, it's not a politically correct statement. It's not like you're walking into the church and we're like, oh, okay, we got enough of you. Please, no no more of you. We're like, it's, it's, it's silly, right? We are going to minister to whoever God will draw into our doors. But the beautiful thing is, as God has been building this village church, he's been building it out of a diversity of ethnic groups out of a diversity of backgrounds. So we got a good number of people in here who are not from Baltimore, born and bred, transplanted here for work or for school or relationships. But then we got a significant and growing population. People, this is, this is home. This, this is home, this neighborhood, this city. And it's beautiful. We got a diversity. I mean, I don't think we have anyone in our church like really, really financially well off. Um, but comparatively, you know, fairly decent, comfortable, And on the other end, we got the struggle day to day. And I think that's good because that keeps us real. That keeps us humble as we walk together. But there's just a diversity of a lot of different peoples in here. And the reason why I say that is if we're serious about this task that God has given us to go help other people to know about Jesus, including ourselves, it's going to require every single one of us here. It's going to require every single one of us as we're represented in this room because of who you uniquely are. You are going to be able to make disciples and influence others in transformation in ways that no one else here will be able to do. Because really simple, and some of you have heard this, and I hope this sounds really like um, too common at this point. That means you're getting it. Our goal is not just to have a great Sunday kind of gathering like this. I mean, this is nice. I mean, there's a part of me like, this is great. This is fun. I love the singing and, you know, sitting here. This is great. But the goal of this, this is kind of like a launching pad. If our goal, if this is all we're doing, sitting on a Sunday and saying we're doing church, man, seriously, we have lost our purpose. The goal of what we're doing here is to come and sit under the teaching and the worship of God and to learn more about Jesus and how he impacts our life. What does it mean for us to know that in our brokenness, in our, uh, in our fallibility, we meet a Jesus who doesn't fail. And he meets us there and he continues to transform us. Why? So that we can send each one of you out to your local communities. So the the thing about being a diverse community of folks here is we represent so many different pockets of Baltimore and beyond right here in this room. Whether it is ethnic groups, whether it is backgrounds, whether it is whatever it might be, we represent so many different uh, social groups here. So the goal is that you would get this message of Jesus penetrate you. Maybe you've been raised in church and you just have no more patience for it. Maybe for the first time you start to say, okay, maybe this is real. Maybe there's something here. And, And the gospel, the good news of Jesus penetrates your life so that we send you to people who want to have nothing to do with church, want to have nothing to do with God, but they're meeting someone who's taking steps to know more of who God is. So so having said that, um, his plan is always to use you and me. Jesus ultimately said this mission, this great commission that that Matthew 28, that's going to happen through all of you. It's my authority that sends you, but it's going to happen through all of you. I'm going to send you. He's going to use the church. Every single person matters. So what that means is we need, um, we need African-Americans here. We need Anglos. We need Latinos. We need Asians. 
We need um, people in academia. We need people over at the clinic. We need teachers. We need business people. We need coaches. We need athletes. We need people who are big on Black Lives Matter. And we need people who are big on police lives matter. We need all of that. We need Republicans. We need Democrats. And we need whoever else. I don't know whatever else fits into it at this point. We need people who've got a lot in this world's eyes. And we got people who are making a day-to-day in this world's eyes. We need people from this neighborhood. And we need people who are not from this neighborhood. We need people from this country. And we need people who are not from this country. Because every single one of us is going to represent someone probably that uniquely that no one else in this room might be able to connect with, but you're going to go in the name of Jesus, talking about Jesus, living about Jesus. And, and ultimately, as we think as a church, you know why each of these folks getting baptized and so many others are experiencing life transformation through this church. It's because many of you here have given your lives in sacrifice to be part of something bigger than yourself. Why, why is all this happened at the church? God, God, I mean, if you want the simple answer, God, but God uses his people. God uses his church. And, and we want to continue to live this story out. Um, I'm, this, this was not planned, but in, I'm, I'm just thinking here as I look at my notes here, um, A day like this, there's probably a whole vast array of backgrounds in here. And for some of you, and this might not be anyone in this room, but I'm I'm guessing it might be. For a lot of us, the reason we've gotten turned off from God is because of other people. The reason we've gotten turned off from God is because people who've called themselves the church have heard us. Or people who've called themselves religious or Christian have heard us, have betrayed us have looked down on us, have judged us, have thought themselves too highly and us too lowly, whatever it might be, and some of us are hurt. And so when we hear words like authority in church, you get kind of nervous. You're like, authority is what makes things go bad. People abuse authority. So when we see here even that Christ has authority, and why do we have the power to go out and make disciples? Because of Jesus' authority. But you know what kind of authority Jesus was all about? The authority of Jesus was not this power player who basically let everyone know how powerful he was. He was powerful, but his power, his authority was shown by the master getting down on his hands and knees and scrubbing the nasty, grubby feet of his followers. That's how Jesus showed his authority, through humility, through service. Ultimately, to the point where it was this thing called the cross, where Jesus gave himself sacrificed his own life for the benefit of people who weren't asking for it and honestly who didn't deserve it. That's how Jesus showed his authority in humility, in sacrifice, in death. And that's why David mentioned it, right? That's why when you hear, when you have the memories of 9-11, gosh, can you believe that's like 14 years ago now? (laughs) You know, you're getting old when you can like remember it, like when it happened. Some of you, that's like history lesson. You, weren't, you don't remember, but I remember. Um, that's why when you hear the stories of um, everyone's like running out of the towers, people are running out of towers like bugs, 
And then there was this crazy crew of policemen and firemen and rescue workers who were running the other way. Everyone else is going one way. This crew is going the other way, and many of them gave their lives. It's why the stories, when you hear of those flights, text messages or voicemails going through of husbands telling their wives, um, I don't know if I'm going to talk to you again, but something bad is going on right here, but we're not letting this go down without a fight. And giving themselves and sacrifice. There's a reason why when you hear those kind of stories, your heart is moved because it takes us back to the larger story of Christ. That when everyone runs one way, he's running the opposite direction into the fight, into the danger and giving himself. And that's what these stories are telling us that Jesus has done something we couldn't do in our own strength. It's not about being good enough. It's not about being moral. It's not about developing a religious right mentality towards life. It's about trusting in someone to do something you couldn't do, what only Jesus could do. So on that thought, we're going we're gonna to do this baptism. We're going to do these baptisms. And, and what, what these folks are doing as we, as we do this, they're symbolizing their journey from death to life. They're symbolizing through the baptism and they're proclaiming to the church saying, I was once someone who was lost and broken in all the different ways described, but Jesus saved me and I trust him. So I'm going to invite those who are getting baptized to come up here along with our elders. Let's take a moment. We're going to pray for these guys. So if you could just stretch out a hand as you pray for them, and we're going to lay hands on these guys here as well. Heavenly Father, we thank you for uh, Maria and Stephanie and Jay and David and just the lives they testify to here today, um, the life found in you. And God, just as we listen to their stories, we just hear this common idea that it's it's not they've got to figure it out and things automatically. It's a journey. It was a journey of trusting you daily and realizing that ultimately they couldn't fix themselves and they need help. And thank you, Lord, for being that help. Thank you for being that rescuer. Thank you for being the hero that they needed. And when everyone else runs the other way, they're running and you are running in the opposite to go to them, into their pain, into their sin, into their brokenness, Lord. So I pray right now as they express their faith through baptism Um, This would be a significant thing for them, but it would also be a significant thing for our church as we're reminded of why we do what we do, that we want to see more stories like this. We want to see those waters continually filled because it's reminding us of why we do what we do as a church, not just to grow a church, not to have another service, not to have nice events, but ultimately we want to see more people follow you and find hope in you when there is none in this world. So we thank you, Lord, and we love you, and thank you for being good to us. Thank you for being good to this church. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So we're going to go out into the back in a second. I'm going to encourage you, if you want to do this, you can totally up to you. You can get up as close as you want to get a good view. You can stand up here. You can get up close here. Um, If you don't want to, you don't have to. You can kind of just sit there. But we're going to be out there in a sec.